This is the Strength and Anger Podcast, part of the Berserker Strength Radio Network, featuring APF Illinois State Chairman Eric Stone, as well as AAPF AWPC Powerlifter Robert Bain. We are coming at you from 2XL Powerlifting in Lombard, Illinois, and you can find this podcast online on anchor.fm. All right, Mr. Bain, here we are, episode 62. Late night podcasting, man. We are going to talk about the USAPL today. Ew. Uh, I think this is an interesting topic. Um, Especially given the current climate around the USAPL. Yes, this is very interesting. And I have been toying around with uh, doing the research on this topic for a while. Uh, but before we get into that, Mr. Bain, mm-hmm. speaking of the IPF, yeah, some loose ends. Mm-hmm. Um, I may have misspoke. I reread the rule change on uh, participating in non-IPF events, and mm-hmm. it does still talk about participating in non-IPF, quote, international events, and it may just that you be banned from all levels of meets versus I think the way we said it was that participating in any non-IPF event. Yeah. Um, I still think you get banned for competing in international non-IPF events, but in the past... Unless they're the approved ones, which they're okay with. Yes. Like the World Games, because it's associated with the IOC. Sure. I think in the past, this rule basically only applied lifters going to actual IPF-sanctioned meets like Worlds. Mm-hmm. Now it seems like it could be interpreted to apply to lifters at any levels of meets. Yeah. And that's why they suck. Anyway. <clears throat> um, but, but also, don't go to a seminar where they're going. Don't go there. Right. Yeah. That's... that's You know... That's another end. persona non grata. Yeah, so it, I would say it's still a, uh, and we're going to talk about this more today. But that's still kind of a, I would say a uh, ambiguous issue. Can we find out when the next like IPF like Congress is and like yeah. where like Ed Cohen is numero uno shirts to do it? Oh wow, uh, it's probably somewhere international. Sure, let's uh, go. Yeah. Uh, yeah, let's <laughs> let's get the podcast bigger and maybe we could afford that. Yeah. So if anybody wants to send us to wherever it's going to be at and we'll wear those, it'd be it'd be awesome. Ed, looking at you. Uh, yeah, I, I think people really liked the "Why Help at Powerlifting Meets" yeah. uh, uh, episode. Yeah, I had a few folks that reached out specifically asking about like spotting. Uh, I've also had a few folks that have asked me about the whole like the concept of the platform manager and uh, and kind of my style of doing so. Uh, and actually, I think I'm going to put this up both on my own and maybe on the Strength and Anger Instagrams. Is should we do a tutorial video on spotting as well as platform management? And so it's not just like, you know, a checklist. There's actually a thought process that goes into both of these things. And so uh, would love to get some opinions on that. So I may put that up on the Insta stories. See what we do. Sure. And that's something I got uh, at my meets from Ernie Franz, who mm-hmm. always would kind of assign that, a platform manager, somebody who was not a high school kid or, yep. you know, uh, just a gym member, somebody that was a little bit more experienced and could yeah, backspot. Knew, and knew the flow of the meets and... Sure. Yeah. Other than that, Mr. Bain, what is going on? Well, Vegas was dope. Uh, it was profitable, as it has been the last few times. That was nice. Taxable uh, income. Part, pardon that? Taxable income. Yeah, fuck them. It, hey, you know what? We've heard already from our commander-in-chief that not all amendments are you know, permanent. So I'm just not going to worry about the 16th. I like that. <laughs> uh, no, it was a good time. And it actually worked out well where I, I was coming back. It basically, a couple hundred bucks up. You know, I wasn't too worried about it, and I decided, hey, I'm gonna do a couple more spins on Wheel of Fortune at the airport, and I won like four hundred fifty dollars at the airport. 
Yikes. Much to the chagrin of Rudy Rosales, who did not do as well. Um, oh, boy. Sp- speaking of, I uh, got a nice pair of overkill briefs while I was out in Vegas. Uh, very excited to you know continue breaking those in. I was able to you know get some decent lifts in. Uh, we have discovered probably not the best thing to go from the airport to the gym and start lifting heavy. Uh, does doesn't work out so well. Yeah, so, no. Uh, other than that, uh, Lily is ready for Nats. We had her openers uh, the other night. Uh, we're going to stay conservative. Uh, we did find out actually after uh, Worlds last year, she partially herniated uh, one of her lumbar discs. And so that was uh, an issue that we are just kind of working through and training around, and uh, we will go from there. So, Stone, what's going on with you? Well, we've got pressing the pieces together tomorrow Woo-hoo! as of this recording. Yeah. Um, probably by the time we get it out, the meet will have uh, happened. It could, um, couldn't be in a historical meet. It could be. Um, we've got some big lifters that will be here. Barzine, mm-hmm. uh, Leah Reichman came and weighed in tonight. Yep. Uh, Cosette Neely, uh, Crystal Tate. Yep. So those are some, James Strickland yeah. will be here, a big raw lifter. Mm-hmm. So could have Sw- some swim hack. So we could have some uh, some big lifts. Yeah. Um, as you mentioned, we'll be at APF National next weekend. Yeah. The whole um, the whole crew's going. Yeah. I mean, quite a few here. My wife Jackie will be competing, mm-hmm. um, whom I will be helping, and quite a few others from Team Stone will yeah. be competing as well. I'll be helping Lily and then spotting loading on uh, Saturday and Sunday. Seems like there's a lot of lifters looking at the roster from Illinois. It's a yeah. Big, it's a big Illinois contingent. Very, very, very much so. I mean, it does help that the APF is based here. Sure, and Worlds are going to be here, so I think people, people do want to qualify for Worlds. Agreed, agreed. Other than that, Mr. Bain, what is... Come on, you, you are fake news, okay? You're fake, you're fake news. Oh, my God. Okay, so this one I had to think about a little bit, and this, this actually stems from an incident last night. So, door-to-door salesman. <clears throat> I appreciate the craft, and I'll be honest with you, the, the gumption it takes to go door-to-door and basically get told no hundreds if not thousands of times selling whatever it is whether it's vacuum cleaners soap doors uh with you know siding whatever last night we're having a family meeting we're just kind of discussing you know travel for the rest of the school year as well as what we're doing this summer and uh, stuff the kids can do around the house to help we hear a knock at the door my youngest daughter ella goes to answer the door she is 11 by the way and there's a gentleman there uh, you know, older, uh, probably in his, you know, late 50s, early 60s. And he has put his little flyer in our door so it faces us. In, and he starts basically starting his sales pitch to my daughter. <laughs> and, like, I get up and I'm like, what the, like, who the fuck are you? And he's like, oh, sir, it uh, looks like you have the original windows up there on the top floor. I'm like, hey, listen, man, we're in a family meeting right now. Like, I appreciate it. I'm happy to talk to you some other time, but now's not a good time. And he just keeps right on going. I'm like, cool. I grab the flyer. I shut the door. Lock it, and then I hear, "Oh boy!" And I look at my wife, and Nick's like, "Please don't." <laughs> so I open the door again, and I'm like, "May I help you? We are in the middle of a family meeting, and I would prefer not to discuss anything other than what I'm discussing with my family." Oh, I just needed a moment of your time, sir. I'm like, "And this one ain't it. If you knock on my door again, I will call the police." Close the door, lock it, and our dog Ginger does tend to notice when people are on the doorstep. She continues to stare out the window for a solid two minutes, and we look over. He's still on my doorstep. Yikes. Big yikes. And so I told everybody, I'm like, no one leaves the house until I have given us the all clear. And so I do call Des Plains Police. I give him the description of the guy. I say, hey, he just, I think he meant well. He just didn't like being so abruptly told no. He wanted to at least try to get his sales pitch out. 
don't know if he was like having a mental reset, whatever, but he stood on my doorstep for way longer than he should have, and it really creeped me the fuck out. Well, and by the way, did he have a solicitor's license? Because I couldn't they even tell you. They don't even typically hand. They have not been handing those out during COVID. Yeah. So so couldn't tell you. Didn't ask. Didn't care because again, I was more concerned with what I was discussing with my family at that. Sure, point. got so, it. Uh, but yeah, really fucking creepy. So door to door salesman, your fake news. Uh, Stone. Uh, also, by the way, bonus fake news is a. $2,000 drug tests. Get the fuck out of here with that. We'll talk about that. We will talk, we'll about, talk about that, about that but I, I just, I, yeah, we'll, we'll get there. But Stone, what is? Fake news. Oh, that, that's the short one. Yeah, was, I was oh, waiting for more. Oh, I was, I was, that's what she said. Um, <laughs> hopefully not. T- title your sex tape. Uh, you know, just, I know I've probably touched on this before, but people not reading, like, what is just right in front of them. Hey, I'm a lifter. I don't read the rules. I literally had somebody else do that again that said, you can't expect me to read the registration. Jesus fucking Christ. I'm not even going to get into what happened because it's it's not even worth me being upset about and it's not worth me being upset with the person. But just in general, just like I, there's a lot of information out there. Additionally, you can always contact me. Sometimes I get a little, I wouldn't even say upset or perturbed, like maybe slightly annoyed with people that ask questions that are easily answered with even a Google search. Like um, any up in the Lombard meet. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> um, but people that just don't even take the time to read and just, just assume um, they, they are fake news. Do you know um, what happens when you assume? You make an ass of you and me? Correct, sir. Oh, Very yes. correct. That'll, that goes back to uh, high school geometry. Yes. Um, yes. And we're going to talk a lot about the IPF tonight because we are. the hot topic, no, not the uh, store in the mall, nope. but... Apparently, the IPF, after announcing that they are going to tighten up their participation rules in non-IPF international events, it appears they're tightening control over their member countries. And so the hot topic is, should the USAPL, assuming these rules stand, leave the IPF? Um, You can check out the USAPL's Instagram. They have a number of long posts about it. Yep. Um, It would basically strip them of their autonomy, um, and it was an IPF. The the IPF new rules would strip them, yes. Correct. Yes. The IPF voted new bylaws or or basically new technical rules that Mm -hmm. would say that basically all member countries must follow all IPF rules at all levels. Right. So that means the new MX division is gone. That means like a lot, I mean, there's a lot of things. Raw with wraps would probably be gone. Yep. Youth division would be gone. Yep. Um, additional age divisions that the USAPL has that the IPF does not have would be mm-hmm. gone. Um, it, and the USAPL at least claims it would limit them from really doing any testing at the local level. Because um, why? Because it says they would have to use WADA approved third party testing mm-hmm. that would apparently cost $2,000 per test. You're being rude. You're fake. You're fake news. Uh, now, are you s- news. Stop being rude. <laughs> you're fake news. Now, are you saying you think the USAPL is being disingenuous about that or that just paying $2,000 for a test is fake news? Yes. Okay, I'm sorry. You cannot tell me that if you if you have sometimes 400 competitions a year that you can't go to WADA approved third parties and go, we're going to negotiate with you. And they go, fuck you, pay us $2,000. No, go fuck yourself. It's unbelievable. I, I, I cannot, like, I want to see the proposal where they go, the best offer we got is $2,000 per test. Get fucked. I can go to I can go to Walgreens right now and get a one time drug test if I want to go test one of my kids for thirty bucks. 
Well, it's a different type of drug test. I totally understand that, but right. you like, well, but you're not just. It's not just the drug test because what they're talking about is full third party testing. So you're paying for the individual, great as well. Those people don't make that much money. <laughs> it ain't two thousand fucking dollars. Um. Anyway, so what's your thought? Should the USAPL leave the IPF, Mister Bain? Assuming all this stands, sure. Uh, if it does, I think that it, at worst there needs to be serious consideration. I do feel like there, there also has to be part of the story that we're not getting. And here's why I think that. The IPF, in all their infinite wisdom, and I get they are ruling from on high. It's how Europe likes to do it with the Americas. If you want to go back to 1776 and see how that worked out, it didn't work out so hot for them. But what I will say is the IPF knows the USAPL is their largest organization. Why would they intentionally make it more difficult to partner with them? I, that's the, one of the questions I want asked. It's a good question. Yeah unless there's something more sinister afoot or unless there's some type of unscrupulous activity going on within the USAPL that we're not aware of. So again, I think that there's still part of this story because again, this just seems so unilateral and so almost like a direct fuck you to the USAPL by the IPF. It's very interesting to me. It's also interesting when you consider some of the individuals involved in this. And we'll get to that. And we're going to get to that. And there's some crossover between our story from 1997 mm-hmm. and this current story. And is obviously, that, that, this is prehistory. This is before the early 2000s when powerlifting started, right? Right. Yeah. Powerlifting wasn't even hardly a thing. Yeah. Sure. I'd like your opinion on this. Oh, as well, Stone. I think the IP. And, and again, there's probably more to come out. I do think, in general, the IPF has overplayed their hand. Uh, yeah. As you said, the USAPL is the biggest contributor, likely in the IPF, if not the biggest, one of the biggest. Um, I, as a standalone, they're the biggest organization in the world, I believe. Yeah, I, I would say that's very likely. Um, I think they should seriously consider leaving if this is what stands. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, you know, uh, Robert Wilkes, World Powerlifting Organization, uh, it might have some validity. Wait, he, he, he has his own WPO? <laughs> what? Uh, <laughs> I do understand the thought process behind having third-party testing. That's something I do get. Yeah, I, from, I, from from a from the standpoint of credibility. So, yes. you know, when you have individual meat directors selecting drug testing and they could just, you know, purposely not test somebody that they know that's on their team. I, I can see why yeah. you would want that. And, and as you said, $2,000 per test is absurd. And if that's the case, I just it's unbelievable. I, I, I cannot believe that... As and we joke about the USAPL a lot. I, I do want to put this big caveat out there. The USAPL has done some things very, very right. They they really, yeah, really have. They have. And I and I cannot knock them for that. I just cannot believe in my right mind that their executive committee sits there and goes, "Wow, two thousand dollars is all we can do." Shit. Yeah. I just that's I a cannot, good point. I have not thought of. I cannot believe that. Anyway. Well, all right, Mr. Bain, let's move on to our Plusa throwback. Throwback, throwback, throwback. And I opted to choose uh, the Powerlifting USA that has the news of our topic at hand. Yeah. So we're going to go to January 1998. Mm -hmm. What were you doing in January 1998, Mr. Bain? Uh, I would have been a sophomore in high school, getting ready for what turned out to be my my breakout season of uh, of soccer. Also the year where I almost lost (laughs) my entire soccer career. Uh, Interesting fact, we had our team meeting in January of 98 for the Prairie High School boys soccer. And that is when our head coach uh, abruptly resigned. Did not give give the school any notice, not give anything, and basically told us during the, hey, we're going to have a great season, everything's going to be awesome, we're going to build out last year, by the way, effective immediately, I'm resigning, and he walked out. What was his reason? Did you find out later? Um, Other than him just kind of being a cocksucker, it was because his kid graduated. All three of his sons had gone through the program, and so he waited until 
he got to this meeting because that also meant that he got paid for one more semester as the coach. Oh. And I'm like, you're a fucking scumbag, dude. Was he a teacher? No. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Just a scumbag. So, yeah, that's what happened. Stone, what were you doing? Um, I would have been 14 years old, a freshman in high school, and I would have just finished my first year of football, and it was around that time. So I, I guess it would have been more like maybe November because we certainly didn't make the – well, I was a freshman, so there would have been no playoffs. Right. That's when I decided to lift weights during the offseason instead of playing basketball. So nice. that's kind of when my powerlifting at least – you know, sort of career started when, when the bug started to bite. Yeah, I didn't end up end up competing for another couple of years, mm-hmm. but that's at least when I started lifting weights. Right. Um, also in 1998, top movies: Titanic, number one, and these are the top five. We'll start yep. number one: Titanic, Armageddon, fantastic film. I don't. Oh man, I'm not sure if I've seen that or not. And, and great soundtrack too. Yeah. unbelievable soundtrack. Saving Private Ryan. Yep, definitely seen. There's something about Mary. Hilarious. And the Water Boy. USAPL is the devil. <laughs> uh, we have <laughs> top TV shows from the 1997-1998 season. Mm-hmm. Seinfeld number one. Dumb. And, oh, really? I hate Seinfeld. Oh, fuck Can't you. See, fuck you. Uh, ER. George Clooney. Veronica's Closet, which I don't remember at all. No, nope. Um, apparently, it was like a Victoria's Secret playoff kind of show. I'm not sure. Dumb. Uh, Friends. Also dumb. And Monday Night Football. I can deal with that. January 7th, 1998, in the news, Monica Lewinsky signs an affidavit denying she had an affair with President Bill Clinton. I did not have sexual relations with that woman, Miss Lewinsky. It depends on what your definition of the the word is, is. is. This is when the news was fun. I could watch the news all during this because it was just fascinating and fun and dirty. And yeah, it was basically foreplay. It was wonderful. Yeah, especially as a high schooler, huh? <laughs> Yep. <laughs> um, on the cover of the January 1998 Powerlifting USA was Alexei Silvokin. I'm probably saying his name wrong. So Russian. Uh, yes, he was the winner of the 148 class at the IPF Men's Worlds. Mm-hmm. Um, and this was 1997, which I believe uh, we'll go through. took place... I think in November, yes. Mm-hmm. It took place in November, so, uh, you know, a month and a half. you gotta, you got to remember that uh, at this time period, for a magazine to go to print, it probably had to, like, be done six weeks out and then go to print, like, a month out. Yep. So, I mean, a, a January 1998 issue was probably done sometime in, oh, in late November. Yeah, Thanksgiving or early December. Yeah, especially given the holidays. Yep. So even the fact that they had the results of the November... 13th through the 16th IPF Men's Worlds probably was a, a, a con, constrained timeline. Yep. At the very least. Um, and he was the champion of champions, uh, Alexei. Be- uh, best lifter is always in the system. Yeah, that's what we would say here. He did a 639 here, here squat. in America. He did a 424-pound bench, a 629-pound deadlift, good for first place in the 148 class, mm-hmm. single ply, and a 602 Wilkes. Solid. Um, his best lifts ever in lifting was a 696 squat, a 523 bench, and a 697 deadlift at 148 single plus. Wow. Um, the last, his, his last lift was around uh, the early 2000s, that 523 bench, which he did in the WPC mm-hmm. as a bench-only lifter. And it doesn't look like he's competed in quite some time. Um, Must be doing Russian things. Yes, Probably. 
Uh, it this did have results from that IPF Men's Worlds. Mm -hmm. uh, that was probably the most outstanding, you know, performance there. Um, this was November 13th through the 16th, 1997 in Prague, Czech Republic. Mm -hmm. uh, Wade Hooper. And these are basically your top U.S. finishers. Wade Hooper was second in the 165s. Gene Bell won the 198s. Nice. And Brad Gillingham took second in the super heavyweights. Um, and this was like a world championship edition in general. Mm -hmm. um, we had the WDF. WDRPF. No, I, I, I wrote that wrong. Oh, it's, <laughs> it, Yeah. There's so many letters. It's WDFPF, Men's and Women's Worlds, which was October 10th, 1987, mm -hmm. in Reading, England. The IPF Masters Worlds was October 16th to the 19th, 1997, in Hungary. I'm not even going to attempt to pronounce Scissors that. Scissors for Herber. <laughs> I'm not even kidding. Yeah. The WDFPF Teen Junior Masters Worlds was... August 23rd through 24th, 1997, in Alberta, Canada. Calgary, Alberta, Canada. Canada. Uh, the IPF Junior Worlds was September 9th through the 12th, 1997, in Slovakia. Oh, come on. You can get that one. Bratislava? Bratislava. Bratislava, nice. Slovakia. Um, did you take a look at this advertisement, Mr. Bain? I did not. Have a look at this one. Oh, uh, boy. Oh, boy. The Up Your Gas Energy advertisement. Yikes. Um, and it looks like uh, basically like your standard stimulant B12 kind of mix. Probably what you currently get like in a monster or an energy drink. <laughs> it, this this I, I did find this online. It looked like a couple of, couple of places still sold it. Um, it was not available on Amazon, and, and people were in like – the reviews were saying they, they took it for years and it's hard to get now. But uh, wow. it, it's got like a cartoon. Uh, maybe I'll I'll screenshot this and try to post it. it yes, man. It's quite little, a little cartoon advertisement. That's, wow. Um, we had the IPF top 25 all-time best women's champions. Okay. And number one was Anna Prinklana mm -hmm. Prinkala of, of Finland, whose best lifts were, at least at this point, were a 319 squat, 148 bench, and a 364 deadlift at 97 pounds. That's amazing. The top U.S. lifter on this list was at number five, Vicky Steenrod. Mm -hmm. um, at 165, she won IPF Worlds, and her best lifts, and it was right around this time, um, a 479 squat, a 314 bench, a 485 deadlift and won IPF Worlds and then did not compete ever again, it appears. Wow. So she was a top lifter at this time, and then that was it. Hmm. Um, and the way that Herb Glossbender came up with these, he had, like, points for this. Mm -hmm. um, he gave 50 points for a first-place finish, 25 points for second, 15 for third, 10 for fourth, and 5 for fifth. I've seen a similar setup when they've done, like, by decade, like, the best lifters. Yeah, and, and Herb freaking loves statistics, hence yeah. why, I mean, literally in every issue of Powerlifting USA, he has some type of list or data, um, and he is, you know, the, the inventor of the Glossbetter formula we mm -hmm. use in the WPC, so he's a, a big statistician. Yes. Um, to compete or not to compete by Doug Daniels. Is it even a question? Uh, he basically says <laughs> yes. Um, and he, I think he kind of just goes through the thought process of, because Doug Daniels had a section, basically in every powerlifting USA, called Starting Out. Right. And it was basically designed as a column for the beginner lifter. Mm -hmm. um, you know, he probably got a lot of mail at this time. Like, there wasn't the internet, and there wasn't always people to talk to. So, right. you know, if you wanted to talk to somebody about 
powerlifting, you might actually have to like send them a send them a letter. Um, so he did. Ew. He said he did get a decent amount of mail of new lifters, like asking them when they should compete. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he said basically you don't need to be able to win in order to compete. Yes. Um, here's his, his advice, which I think is very. It's it's no different than today. The people say, "Oh, I need to be strong enough to." No, you fucking don't. That just drives me crazy. It's like, yeah, it, 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 just go. Yeah, you need technical proficiency, but not necessarily a requisite strength level. No, no, there's um, no. Here's was Doug Daniels' advice. Target a meet two, three months away mm-hmm. and try to go watch a meet first. Mm-hmm. And he recommends, which I hadn't even really thought of recommending, but good advice, he recommends going to a rules meeting mm-hmm. and even you know, kind of popping your head in the warm-up room to kind of see what goes on there. Because if you've never been to a meet, you don't really know what goes on there. Ma- and maybe then, read the rule book. Yeah, and he says, read the rule book um, to know the <laughs> rules. He says, if I'm sorry, you, I lift. I don't, I don't do that. <laughs> he says, if you can, go with an experienced lifter to your first meet mm-hmm. and then make sure you follow the rules and know the rules. Yep. Um, so pretty good advice from Doug, and I, I agree with his column. Um, Louis Simmons, Bob, bench is big. 365 plus 365 days equals 500 pounds. Louis math. There's, there's more Louis math. Um, that, that, is, that's a new one. Hashtag Louis math. Yeah, hashtag Louis math. We're starting that. <laughs> um, Bob Youngs came to Web's, Westside excuse me, in August 1996 mm-hmm. with a 365-pound bench. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he just talks about kind of what they did to get uh, Bob Young from a 365 bench in August of 96 to a 500-pound bench in October of 97, which I would say is maybe slightly more than 365 days. We'll but, say it's Louis math. Right. Um, chains on the bench for lockout power and then bands, switched to bands for the last six inches. Um, mm-hmm. He, had, he had a, looked like he had a long bench stroke. Okay. Um, talks about doing dumbbell benches on a stability ball, three sets to failure. Uh, I would say, if and I like this exercise, mm-hmm. make sure you have a strong stability ball. Yes. Not, not all stability balls are rated for that type of weight. No, In fact, no. most are not. And if you're a large human like maybe myself, or like, no, you definitely want a very strong stability ball. Yeah, I think. Uh, or elite, a BOSU. Yeah, Elite FTS sells some, some mm-hmm. stronger stability balls. Um, at this time, Louis had to switch max effort movements every two weeks, which mm. I thought was interesting. Fl- um, flavor of the month. Yeah. Um, and uh, the last bit of news from this uh, Palooza throwback, uh, we had the AAU, the Amateur Athletic Union Powerlifting mm-hmm. Committee, was accepted as a full member of the WDFPF, which is the World Drug-Free Powerlifting Federation. Um, at this point, there was apparently no raw division mm-hmm. in the uh, WDFPF, um, but they were pushing for that. Al Siegel was the head of the AAU at the time, and he would later go on to form the uh ADAU, the Anti-Drug Athletes United, which was all raw. And you, you can hear about all this in our episode, the uh, Alpha Super Powerlifting, because there's so many more federations you can yes. learn about. Um, and eventually, uh, the AAU would leave the WDFPF, and a new organization would be formed, the ADFPF, the American Drug-Free Powerlifting Federation. Um, and we will talk about this more when we get into our talk about topic mm-hmm. at hand for the day because mm-hmm. it's it's all interrelated from this time period it is it is so let, let's get into it mr bain i i sent you probably more notes than i ever have this is two episodes worth uh, i mean this is a lot <laughs> um, but, but it's gonna be a lot of bullet points like we're just kind of rapid fire a lot of this stuff yeah too. there's a lot of notes because i i mean i i probably did more research for my Anzer franz or the monolith mm-hmm. or even the i think probably the most for the 
uh, for probably for the Franz Inzer was the most one I did the most, but the Franz IPF one a lot of research as well. Yep. This one was a lot of reading from Powerlifting USA, and right. essentially from and, and those you had to go read like court documents too. Exactly, a lot, a lot more you know in depth research. This right. was I did find some other information, but starting in April '97 up through our Plusa Throwback episode, January '98. Basically, every issue of Powerlifting USA had something on this issue. Yeah, th- this this was the thing that was like basically rocking the powerlifting world because again, the the United States provides a significant number of powerlifters into the various federations that are out there. There there are more. I would say there's probably more registered powerlifters in the U.S. than anywhere else. Yeah, I mean Russia's probably close just because it's so big, but yeah, we. we, we but here's the thing: is you, especially if you include the high school. Uh, true, very yeah. very true. So anyway. Um, so we digress. Let, let's get some context, um, mm-hmm. and we are going to be talking about the USAPL replacing the USPF mm-hmm. as the US affiliate of the IPF. And just to give you, the USAPL stands for USA Powerlifting. Mm-hmm. USPF, not as popular for federation anymore, stands for United States Powerlifting Federation. Right. IPF, International Powerlifting Federation. Um, I'll use the acronyms from here on out, though. Mm-hmm. Um, the IPF was formed in 1973. Uh, and it would be interesting to do an origin of powerlifting episode. That would, again, require... Uh, or, organized powerlifting. Yeah, yeah, yeah really. organized powerlifting. That would be another interesting uh, look into history. Yep. Um, powerlifting started under the AAU, the Amateur Athletic Union. And we talked just before how it, it came back to the AAU many years later. Yep. Um, the USPF was formed in 1979, mm-hmm. which separated them from the AAU. And that had to do with... Some kind of antitrust lawsuit. We go through that in previous episodes. Mm-hmm. I don't want to spend as much time on that. But USPF was formed separating itself from the AU in 1979. Um, but essentially, the USPF slash, at the time, the AAU formed the IPF. And I believe it was between the U.S. and Britain where mm-hmm. the IPF started. Um, 1981, Brother Bennett started the ADFPA, mm-hmm. the American Drug-Free Powerlifting Association, mm-hmm. due to the perceived lack of drug testing within the USPF. Very important point there. Um, and I would say, if you if you want some some good context for this episode, go back and listen to our history of drug testing episode. Yes. We go into some of these issues a little bit more in depth. But yes, the ADFPA, which, as we'll talk about, will become the USAPL, was the essentially the original splinter organization that stuck around. Yes. Um, we talked about how there was that weird NPA mm-hmm. organization, which was like a parallel group for like like a half a year. Yeah. Um, but essentially, the ADFPA was the first offshoot. Um, well, the first one that mattered. Right. Ernie Franz started the AMPF, the American Masters Powerlifting Federation, in mm-hmm. 1982, Partly due to the drug testing issue. Essentially, Ernie didn't want to do any drug Correct. testing. Because he, he, he knew what was going on and said, why should we lie? Right. Um, the USPF started doing, quote, optional testing. At the, I don't know if that means like, do you, would you like to take a drug test? No. At the 1984 USPF Nationals. <laughs> Um, but it, so it started. and the was, I, it, was it optional or was it like the honor system? Like, you take any drugs? Like, nah. Yeah. The IPF started doing drug testing with full IOC screens in 1982. Mm-hmm. So, again, all, all this kind of timeline adds up. Um, in 1985, the USPF Executive Committee voted down doing mandatory drug testing at the 1985 Women's Nationals. We talked about how, uh, I believe it was Judy Gedney had talked about, and, and some other females had talked about maybe just forming their own women's organization at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, they did not. Um, But the ADFPA was started, and some of those individuals jumped over there. Right. 
1987, the ADFPA started a, quote, pure division and uh, nationals related to that. sounds horrible. you got to come up with a better name than pure. Well, and eventually it would become lifetime drug-free nationals, which was a thing for a while, even when it was USAPL. I remember hearing about that. Seems like such bullshit. Like, it's just all on our system. But sure, sure, sure. Whatever. Um, I I believe they did polygraph tests. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. At that point. Um, The USPF Experimental Natural Nationals. What the fuck? Which were run by Rich Peters. We talked about this, I believe, last week or the week before. I know. (laughs) And Peters would later go on to form the MSSA, the Mid-South Strength Association, Mm -hmm. which would later morph into the NASA, the Natural Athlete Strength Association. Not to be confused with the National Aeronautical and Space Association. Definitely not. Um, In February, and we're going to skip forward a little bit, but in February 1993, and this was kind of through our Palooza throwbacks, we Mm -hmm. saw this. The USPF would still sanction tested and non-tested meats. So apparently you could just know whether the meat was tested or non-tested. I assume at that time they were testing at nationals because they were definitely testing at worlds. Right. Or at least purportedly. Um, So that's some context. Just Mm -hmm. to give you a little bit of background, again, our history of drug testing would be a good place if you want to learn a little bit more about that in depth. And then we're going to fast forward to 1997. Um, I tried to get the IPF General Assembly minutes from 1997, and apparently they're not available before 2001. Dumb. There's actually a whole other issue here where Mike Armstrong from Canada, who mm-hmm. we'll talk about way later, um, owned the domain IPF.com and wouldn't give it to the IPF. And there's apparently Wait, a what? Yes, there's apparently a whole backstory with that, um, which I didn't even ho- I didn't even go down that rabbit hole because it's a whole other one. I want to know now because if you notice, the IPF's website is like powerlifting.sport. So it's not IPF.com anymore. Um, well, they can go fuck themselves. And that's why they're apparently, and that was around 2001 that happened. And that's why apparently there's nothing before 2001 on their websites. Wow. Um, the USAPL, Nash, NGB stands for National General Board Meeting, I believe. Uh, sure. Um, the minutes I apparently couldn't access unless I was a member. I really didn't want to pay $60 just to look at minutes and maybe only to find out they're not even on there back to 1997. Yeah, screw that. So if we have any USAPL members, uh, Guillermo Blanco, uh, maybe uh, if you want to check to see if the NGB minutes are available from like 96, 97, 98, it would be interesting to look at and yeah. and find like their version of these events. Uh, knowing the USAPL, do you think when they like celebrated, they just like all have like one light beer and just toast and then call it a night? <laughs> Apparently they do a lot of drinking according to the pirate. Um, the par- no, I'm just nope. Uh, apparently, nope. the pirate. Uh, this is a, this is an unconfirmed rumor I heard, was that he was drunk in a uh, elevator at a IPF or USAPL meet and was then put on suspension. Unconfirmed. That's rumor and innuendo. Our blue elbow sleeves are cooler than your pirate. Uh, I'll let that stand on its own. Yep. Um, said what I said. And so now, now it, this is when it really starts. Um, there had been, and, and, and some of the history will come through some of these documents that I found in all these. This basically all comes from various powerlifting USAs. Um, and what's important to think about is there was no internet. Well, the internet wasn't at that time what it was. It wasn't as accessible now. to everybody. It wasn't as. It wasn't big. universal, yeah. and there wasn't the same kind of message boards. There was, but it was very beginning in 97. Right. April 1997. Big article. The cover of Powerlifting USA was. Quote, what is going on with USA Powerlifting? Four question marks. Mm-hmm. And this was written by Mike Lambert, editor-in-chief of Powerlifting USA. 
it mentions there had been talk previously about the ADFPA becoming the IPF U.S. affiliate. Mm -hmm. Um, In the recent history, Don Haley had become the USPF president. He had some history also working within the ADFPA. And so there was some talk that, you know, he was somebody who was friendly to what had been proposed a unification, quote unquote, between the ADFPA and the USPF. Right. So the ADFPA in 1996, November, had, quote, visited the IPF Congress in Austria. Hmm. And we'll come back to this later. A little entanglement going on there? Yes. Many ADFPA corners, and essentially, I'll give the ADFPA slash USAPL credit. They really did take advantage of probably free advertising space. They basically wrote a two-page column in every powerlifting USA around this era, like promoting their organization. And they had like qualifying totals and what's going on and, you know, affiliated gyms. Um, I would say that's part of what helped grow their organization. Sure. But in the, in many ADFPA quote corners in powerlifting USA, they had talked about IOC recognition and quote unifying. Um, The W and at this time, the ADFPA was the first offshoot organization, and they later formed or helped form the WDFPF, the World Drug-Free Powerlifting Federation. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, the WDFPF opposed any unification and affiliation with the IPF. Right. And at this time, they threatened to suspend the ADFPA. Um, now, here's where it really starts to get interesting. Mm-hmm. February 97, there's an ADFPA executive meeting um, and what is suggested is that they have a special meeting on March 1st, 1997 in Chicago. Of course. And what was proposed at this meeting as uh, relate to unification. First, offer ADFPA membership to current USPF members, assuming they're willing to sign an affidavit or the, waiver. They're, they're willing to be tested. Yeah, waiver that they're willing to be tested. Two, Change the operating name of the ADFPA to USA Powerlifting. Mm-hmm. We'll come back to that, why that's important. Three, remove polygraph as a form of testing. Mm-hmm. Four, apply for IPF affiliation. Mm-hmm. Five, adopt IPF rules for world team qualifying. This matters, and so let's talk about why. Why? Um, they want to unify slash merger with the USPF. Oh, why? Because unification slash merger with the USPF does not seem possible. Right. And, and and when they talk about unification, I'll explain what they mean, but a traditional corporate merger with the USPF, at least the USAPL slash at this time ADFPA, did not seem possible. Right. They wanted to adopt the name USA Powerlifting to be in line with other uh, USOC, United States Olympic Committee mm-hmm. organizations like USA Weightlifting, right. which previously was uh, United States the United States Weightlifting Federation, USWF. Um, and, and there's others like yep. USA Basketball, USA mm-hmm. Soccer. The, the, basically Which all... Which no one cares about. Right, definitely. Basically all <laughs> Olympic organizations all have USA and then the sport. At, at least the ones affiliated in the US. It doesn't happen in England that way. Sure. Um, <laughs> and they felt that having a new name might help bring in USPF members. It's like we're not just joining the current you know, ADFPA. We're joining right. essentially a new organization. Mm-hmm even though it's really the same organization with a new name. Yeah. Same shit, different pile. At this time, polygraph, yes, they use polygraph for drug testing. um, Dumb. But they only use that for 20% of their testing. 
and it was it's something that apparently cannot be upheld in courts. Correct. And you can, so that you can beat them, and it's actually not that hard. And so that's something why the IOC US, <laughs> USOC does not use polygraph testing. Right. Um, the USPF was invited to the meeting in Chicago, hmm. and their proposal was essentially that the USPF would cease to exist. Got it. Supposedly, because and supposedly at this time, what they were told or what they indicated was the USPF was in favor of this because they had thirty to forty thousand dollars possible in debt. Yikes! So, before this meeting, about two weeks before, Don Haley was the USPF president, and again was somebody friendly to the ADFPA. Um, he apparently had heart problems, resigned. Mm-hmm. The vice president took over. Uh, basically by default, and his name is Dave Jeffrey, okay. who's going to become a very important person in this story. So put a pin in that. IPF President Graham Fong from New Zealand mm-hmm. came, I, I believe at his own expense, had a 20-hour flight to come to this meeting in Chicago on March 1st. Wow. And he was allowed to talk at that meeting as well. Um, the USPF did not agree to dissolve. Mm-hmm. Um, they wanted guaranteed representation within this new organization. And apparently whatever they asked for was not accepted. Um, The WDFPF was already at this time, based on what was happening with their U.S. affiliate, they were already in preliminary talks with the AAU, the newly formed AAU powerlifting committee. Mm -hmm. Again, the AAU dissolved itself of powerlifting in the 80s. Sometime in the mid-90s. Had to come back. Yeah, sometime in the mid-90s, I believe, at the behest of Al Siegel and others, they reformed a, a powerlifting committee. Mm-hmm. Um, apparently, the AAU claimed they could challenge the use of the term USA Powerlifting Wrong. because their logo includes AAU, and then in the logo it says USA, and below that says powerlifting. Hmm. Um, I think this would be later shown to not be true, but at least at the time, they threatened with lawyers. Right. Um, Very scary. IPF President Graham Fong, Mm-hmm. had essentially an article in there, a, a letter. And he said it was titled, quote, IOC recognition. God, who the fuck cares? And some of the expectations, quote, are with without controversy. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, it, excuse me. L- let me back up. Graham Fong said that some of the expectations of gaining IOC recognition are as following. The sport be A, without controversy, mm-hmm. B, be widely popular, and C, have the, quote, right image. Mm-hmm. And he thought powerlifting did not have the right image because the image was that powerlifting has lots of heavy, quote, heavy drug users. I mean, it'd be that way sometimes. Um, he laid out at the 1996 IPF Congress, and I'm not sure if this was his first you know, year as president, that's not 100% clear. I didn't mm-hmm. do that much research. But he had a five-year plan for IOC recognition. How, how'd that work out, Graham? Um, I wouldn't say it worked out too well. No, not so much. The main issues he felt that needed to be fixed were factionalization, mm-hmm. rules, okay. drugs, okay. and excessive equipment. Interesting. Um, some of the things he suggested um, were that the, the sport was too boring which, eh, I mean, maybe the USAPLIPF is. Yeah, sure, it's pretty bland. Um, especially at this point. Yeah. Um, but he suggested rules to make competition shorter. Two of his suggestions were, A, limit competitors to seven attempts instead of three, with a maximum of three attempts 
per lift. So essentially you could take maybe three squats. One bench and three deadlifts. Right. Yeah. <laughs> You'd only get seven in total. Um, and another suggestion was to eliminate the squat. Interesting. Which had at this time had a lot of a lot of people really were pushing that around this time and in the early two thousands. Pussies. Um, B and W Gym would at this issue would still be advertising that they would be presenting ADFPA nineteen ninety seven's men's nationals, which would occur in July that year. Nice. So that was. They have a really deep history. Like it's sometimes I forget that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, you mean B and W Gym? B and W. Oh yes, yeah. Yes. I mean he's. I mean he's been around since the eighties. Um, Me too. He was, he was big in the USPF and then the ADFPA. Mm-hmm. Um, so that is kind of when all of this started, that, that March 1st meeting. That's yeah, where all, all hell is not broken loose, but it's getting ready to. I, well, it, it already had. We just it, It's kind of throughout these next few issues. It's going to kind of all unravel. Well, well what, it comes to the surface. Yes, it's all hell's breaking loose, but now it's all starting to come to the surface. Right. This became public. Yeah. Um, so uh, the May 1997 Powerlifting USA says, and, and essentially there was probably people calling Mike Lambert after his article, and so what he did was he basically published a bunch of documents mm-hmm. supporting his article. Um, it, it's claimed that the USPF executive committee that took office in July 1986 did not know the USPF true financial situation. Right. That's, that's what is claimed, at least, by some. Mm-hmm. Um, as of press, they, did still, they still did not have some of the financial records from the previous administration. Um, then President Don Haley, in a uh, February 17th uh, letter to the executive committee. Michael su- Jordan's birthday, by the way. Yeah, suggests the following. Suggests that the USPF will cease operations and only will operate for the next four months to pay off debts. Okay. Um, but then also there's a picture in there separately from March where it shows the USPF and NASA apparently unifying. With Rich Peter shaking hand with now, or at, that at least then President Dave Jeffrey. Interesting. Uh, there's a message from USAPL President Mike Overdeer. Um, and he basically lays out what happens from his perspective at this March 1st meeting. Mm-hmm. He says, first, the USPF turned down their offer of, quote, unification. Mm-hmm. He lays out plans for Olympic recognition for the new USA powerlifting. Wrong. <laughs> uh, so this to me like and obviously you know Graham Fong had a, a, an idea for this too it's always been the goal of these people to get to the Olympics and I've actually been argued about this by some like USA PLSL. It's like oh no no it's not our goal always to, or not has not always been our goal to get to the Olympics it very obviously has yeah I mean that's clear they changed their name specifically for that reason right and, and which we, we've talked about that a little bit too like why powerlifting should or shouldn't be at the Olympics, but it's just, it's always been their goal. And it's really interesting how these, you know, five-year plans and these plans for Olympic recognition and the IOC has gone, who the fuck are you guys? That's a whole other, that's, that's a whole, whole other topic, topic but it, is, it right. just fascinates and also cracks me up. Right. There was a letter from Mike Overdeer to USPF president, Dave Jeffrey. Mm-hmm. And it says, you know, it emphasizing working together between organization and says, you know, I welcome your, quote, plans and ideas for unification. Mm-hmm. Um, this was a nice letter from Ovidir to Jeffrey. <laughs> that will change in the coming months. Yeah, it will. There's another letter from Graham Fong. Um, he suggested the following. He asked for a special meeting of the IPF to consider USAPL affiliation mm-hmm. with the IPF. This was to take place 
on June 18th, 1997 at the Women's Worlds in South Africa. Mm -hmm. It invites USAPL President Mike Overdeer to the meeting and implores the USPF to, quote, unify with the USAPL by May 31st, 1997, essentially, like, giving them an ultimatum. Yeah. Uh, Things are going to happen if you don't. Right. And Mike Overdeer also responds to the Powerlifting USA article. Um, I believe this was maybe in their, like, USAPL corner, but there was a lot of different letters Mm -hmm. that had been published. Right. Um, He says he implies that the terms for unification were known in advance to the USPF um, because we will find out later that at least some in the USPF says this was not known in advance Mm -hmm. and that they just came to the meeting basically to see what they had to say. Um, And it says the USPF, in in lieu of their version, the USAPL's version of unification, Mm -hmm. suggested a, quote, umbrella corporation. And he says... Have you you played Resident Evil? We don't trust the umbrella corporation. He says that the USOC would never accept a for-profit organization. First of all, hold on. Um, USA basketball, USA soccer, USA baseball, the fuck out of here. They won't take any for-profit Well, I guess the question is, how are they organized? Are they organized as for-profit entities? Now, certainly they make money, but are they are they, they, they organized they as may, non-for-profits? That's very possible. I did not check that before I put that note, but I'm sorry. When you've got billi- billions and billions and billions of dollars running through these organizations, you cannot tell me that they're not for-profit. Yeah, that's They may not be organized that way, but they, they can't sure. tell me they're not. Um, the Oklahoma ADFPA chairman, mm-hmm. Cheryl Old, and I'm not sure if I'm saying her name Old. right. Old? Yes. She claims that Mike Lambert's April 97 report was misleading. Mm-hmm. Says Mike Lambert was invited to attend but did not. Mike mm-hmm. Lambert lived in California. The meeting was in Chicago. Um, I read her. She had a long letter. I read it three or four times. I still can't exactly figure out why she was upset. I, I mean, I thought Mike Lambert's report in the April issue was i think it was as fair as he knew the information sure and i think the coming months what he published will show that he basically reported it down the middle he didn't have all the facts Mm -hmm. but i don't think he intentionally misled anybody sure but i mean she obviously my guess is she's going to be on one side of the issue not neutral and he's trying to be neutral and so she didn't like that he wasn't fully in support of what she felt was an obvious quote unification again I, I i really want to emphasize this because the the terms for unification that the usapl laid out was that the uspf cease operation yeah that's not unification that's a hostile takeover Exactly. I mean, that's, that was basically their unification was you you disband and join us. Yeah. And as we'll go through in the coming months issues. But you know, by the way, Genghis Khan did the same thing. It's exactly how he used to negotiate. Right. He says he fucking killed everybody afterwards. <laughs> so Graham Fong, um, he has a quote. And he has multiple letters in the same issue. What the fuck, man? Graham Fong, quote, unification report to the IPF committee, which was published. Mm-hmm. Um, he said that he was at the meeting, the, the March 1st meeting in Chicago. Mm-hmm. He heavily favors the ADFPA side in this issue. That's, that's Eric Stone's interpretation, mm-hmm. not his words. He does say that Don Haley, previous USPF president who had to resign, was in favor of unification, mm-hmm. um, but had to resign. He said the USPF's expectations were, quote, selfish and self-serving. Wow. And again, let's, hello, pot kettle. Nice to meet bear you. Bear in mind, the USAPL's offer was for the USPF to cease operations. 
That's their jo- offer. Yeah. Jo- join us and die or just die. Um, he said he asked for all uh, and says that, for instance, the USPF uh, said that all 10 Team USA members should come from the USPF. The ADFPA requested a five to five split. Okay. Um, apparently, the ADFPA had previously applied for affiliation in 1994. And at that time, Graham Fong either wasn't president or wasn't in favor of it. Um, while he was in Chicago, apparently he talked with Ernie Franz. As one should do. And claimed, and this is double hearsay, that Ernie Franz wished him well in his, quote, unification talks. Well, I mean, Ernie's not going to tell you to go fuck yourself, but you might think it. Er, yeah, Ernie's always very nice when he talks to everybody. Exactly. Exactly. Um, this was the first time this... Uh, what issue are we on right now? We're, we are right now in the May issue. Yep. The May issue, 1997, is the first time that it is titled the USAPL Corner. Oh. Previously, every month, it had always been the ADFPA Corner. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, it talks about the name change. It, some felt that changing the name of the organization, quote, dishonored Brother Bennett, who started the organization. Mm-hmm. Um, but others felt it was a necessary change. Sure. Dr. Larry Miller talks about this possible change, um, and he said that he was in favor of it, and he said it wasn't all self-serving. He said, for instance, he didn't want to see denim bench shirts go away, which were allowed in the ADFPA, mm-hmm. but were not allowed at that time in the IPF. Right. And he apparently had set up a meeting between Graham Fong and Ernie Franz to perhaps work on getting denim bench shirts approved. That would never happen. Right. Um, for one thing, Ernie would never have paid any fees. No, especially um, not $250,000. And, you know, bear in mind that when the ADFPA became the USAPL, there were other rule changes. Mm-hmm. The ADFPA was actually one of the first organizations to allow the monolift, mm-hmm. and they would have to get rid of that, obviously, to join the IPF. Right. Let's fast forward now. All to, the way. <laughs> to the June 1997 issue. Mm-hmm. Holy cow. This is where it fucking just goes. This is where things go off the rails. This is where things fucking go right off the rails. Yep. June 1997 issue of Powerlifting USA. A letter from Robert Keller, mm-hmm. USPF executive committee member. This is a fucking scathing letter. Mm-hmm. There, and it's interesting because I remember Robert Keller used to post on the message boards. And his writing style is 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 just like undeniable because he has a lot of underlying he has a lot of bolds he has a lot of capitals um, so, so he, he, he speaks has, basically he has a lot of quotations you, in there you can feel the inflection by the way robert keller is the current ipf general secretary huh put a pin in that we'll talk about that later we'll, we'll come back to this folks uh robert keller says the following he disputes that the ipf was included uspf uh, yes excuse me he disputes that the USPF was included in advance knowing about the unification plan. He says the unification plan is basically that the USPF ceases to exist, and he calls it a, quote, unification takeover. What I say? <laughs> I, I can't say I disagree with that. I don't. I correct. He claims the USPF's financial situation is actually fine. Wrong. Um, he runs down the WDFPF as basically having no other countries, mm. which wasn't 100% untrue. That's never stopped anybody else from having world meets. Yes. Um, <laughs> he really runs down uh, former USPF president Don Haley. This is rough. As, quote, lacks skills and backbones and says, quote, no less than a complete sellout. Wow. And says that Don Haley did not consult USPF executive committee members when it sounds like Haley was the one who 
like at least suggested this meeting or set it up. Mm-hmm. The March 1st, 1997 meeting between ADFPA and USPF. Um, he runs down the USAPL as having, quote, a history of deception and quitting. Interesting. Um, claims the USAPL had lost their ADFPF affiliation already. I don't think that's 100% true. Okay. But the ADFPA had already accepted another U.S. organization. So it was at least a gray area. Um, he runs down Graham Fong as interfering in U.S. affairs and calls for a vote of censure from the IPF wow. on Graham Fong. Wow. Which he had no standing to do, but is interesting. Yeah. Um, and he says, if you want Olympic recognition, the AAU already has USOC recognition. Okay. We'll, we'll come back to that, too. We'll come back to that. Um, he says they offered binding arbitration for unification, which was rejected by the USAPL, hmm. and says he is in favor of a, quote, unified umbrella organization with equal representation. Interesting. Um, so, And this was a very long, scathing letter. Um, it was very, very direct language. Um Powerlifting USA clarifies, saying that although the USOC recognizes the AAU, they do not recognize powerlifting. That's correct. Um, and this is interesting because I went to a meet at the Olympic Training Center mm-hmm. run by the AAU in 2004 mm-hmm. um, where they claimed basically the same thing. Um, that's a whole other story, but they've been kind of using that USOC recognition of the AAU for a while. Interesting. Are there any more letters in this issue? I, there's so many letters. <laughs> it's unbelievable. Um, and we're not talking about acronym letters. We're talking about literal letters written yes. from people. Letters to the editor. Uh, we have an, a, another letter this month from Mike Overdeer, USPA, USAPL president. Um, he declines the offer from, I, I guess he must have gotten a letter from David Jeffrey, declining the offer regarding the, quote, APU Federation. I never got... Actually, what that stood for, I don't know if it's American Powerlifting Union. That's my guess. Not sure. And he declined to meet with Rich Peters of NASA, which, mm-hmm. again, go back to the previous issue. There was there was literally a picture of Rich Peters shaking hands with David Jeffrey. Right. And it was unclear exactly, like, what happened there. Like, it said there was a historic merger, but it wasn't exactly clear what happened. Right. Um, I did email Rich Peters to ask him exactly what the hell happened. Um, Still he, waiting that response? No, he responded. He okay. said, I'm about to go to a meet. He said, I'll get back to you next week. Awesome. So in the loose ends, we'll come back to what exactly happened there. Because Very excited. Because obviously the USPF and the NAS, and NASA never joined. No. Um, the main issue that at least Mike Overdeer claimed is that NASA is a for-profit organization. And he said he claimed he called Rich Peters multiple times. Rich Peters never returned his call. Mm-hmm. He did get a response back from Greg Van Hoos, someone involved in NASA, and said, you know, there was something about the Umbrella Organization. Mm-hmm. Um, in the USA Appeal corner of this issue, it says, quote, change is good, unquote. Um, <laughs> and basically talks about how... What do they feel about that now? <laughs> how unifying... Um, equals Olympics, and they want to unify with wrong. the U- and they want to unify with the USPF. Yeah, wrong, big wrong. So this this sets that sets forth kind of the rest of what we're going to talk about. Yep. This, this Robert Keller letter is what really just like 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 just take a big bat and hits the hornet's nest. Oh yeah. Um, the July 1997 issue of Powerlifting USA has a preview by Robert Keller of the 1997 USPF seniors. Mm-hmm. He goes on to claim that. 
there's going to be ADFPA lifters. There are going to be lifters coming out of retirement, which I don't think all happened. But he says, you know, the, the 1997 USPF seniors is going to be basically like the true unified nationals uh, and puts it over as the best meet that's ever going to happen. Sure, sure, sure. Um, he asserts that this meet is the only way to the IPF worlds, which is true. Mm-hmm. Um, and he says that IOC, USOC guidelines will be followed for drug testing mm-hmm. and then says that Graham Fong, IPF president, has asserted that the USPF is the only way to the IPF worlds. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't much of a pre... There, there was a whole page of previews on the lifting, but the first page was basically kind of going through this whole... Where we are with this debacle. Unification debacle. Yeah. There's a letter from the USPF's lawyer to the IPF Mm -hmm. regarding, quote, attempting to disband, disrupt, and or sabotage the USPF. And is basically the threat of a lawsuit from the USPF to the IPF. Maybe this is where the IPF just said, go, you know, fuck it when it comes to lawsuits in the U.S. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, there was a response from the USAPL to Robert Keller. And it's just basically very much against Robert Keller's letter. Mm-hmm. Um, claims the USPF actually has no interest in unification and says there was some talk of this APU or umbrella structure, but it was very vague. And- oh, it was the American Powerlifting Umbrella. I guess that I guess maybe it was American Powerlifting Umbrella, and says it was very vague, and that's not something they can accept. Gotcha. Um, let's go now to the August 1997. Wait, this is every month. This yes, is going every on. month, every month. August 1997 issue of Powerlifting USA. Now we've got a response from Dr. Larry Miller, mm-hmm. who uh, big bencher. Um, I don't know what position he had in the USAPL. Um, you know, maybe just supporter. I'm not 100% sure. Maybe he's on the their executive committee. Mm-hmm. Seems possible. Um, he has a response to Robert Keller's letter. Um, he says that, oh, and one of the things that Robert Keller talked about in his letter was that um, the USAPL, you know, fo- changed their name and, and had a logo, and now they're being threatened by the AAU. Mm-hmm. Um, nothing would ever come of that, but uh, Dr. Larry Miller says the USAPL did hire intellectual property attorneys regarding their name and logo. And I, I think that would be proved to be true. Mm-hmm. Um, does say the AAU has USOC recognition, but not for powerlifting. Again, true. Um, says Don Haley was not an ADFPA spy <laughs> and d- did say that Haley did consult with the USPF executive committee regarding unification. Mm-hmm. Um, says USPF executive committee members were not notified of the meeting between him, David Jeffrey, and NASA. Mm. Um, and so they're claiming that, hey, you know, we didn't have any information about this unification meeting, but other executive committee members are saying, hey, we didn't know anything about this whole NASA, quote, unification until we saw the picture in Power of USA. Right. Um, says John Enzer, owner of Enzer Advanced Design, mm-hmm. former USPF secretary treasurer, had still not turned over, as of press time, all the books and financial records to the new USPF Executive Committee um, and claims that he heard that there was an agreement signed with David Jeffrey that the USPF would approve gear of Inzers through the year 2000 in exchange for receiving said financial documents. You know, I thought about this, and and I had some... some things I wanted to express when reading that. I'm going to hold off on that for now. I just find it interesting that that was rumored. It's rumored, but there's there's been no proof of it. And right. I don't know what 
at that time, if the USPF had an approval process, it's not 100% sure. I don't know. I just, I just find it interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it says that, you know, you could not put the USPF EC on the USAPL EC executive committee mm-hmm. as it would then be seen as a merger. Right. And basically what, is, what will come out through these next few issues is that what the USPF wanted was, okay, if we would consider ceasing operations, we want a guarantee of half the executive committee will we, be. We want a seat at the table. Right. It, it, we want that half the USPF or half the, the USAPL executive committee members will be should be former USPF executive committee members. Le- and legacy USPF. Half of the state chairs should also be USPF mm-hmm. state chairman. Otherwise, again, as you said, it's not a merger. It's, it's a takeover. It's a takeover. Um, and the USAPL claims they really couldn't do a, quote, merger. At least this is what their legal counsel claims, because then that would mean that the USAPL might be on the hook for this supposed USPF debt. Um, and then he rips Robert Keller for charging $20 for admission for USPF senior, uh, seniors. Whatever. And rips him for a $70 entry fee. <laughs> Get out of here. Granted, this is 1997. And I, I get it, but still. I would say here. $20 for admission is high, but, I mean, if, you know. For, spe- for spectators, sure, but a $70 admi- or meat fee, psh, take that all day. Sure. Um, there was uh, letters essentially from May, mm-hmm. and this is basically, Paul, if you say, going back and printing letters between various organizations uh, at this time, mm-hmm. um, Don Wagman, remember that name, Don mm-hmm. Wagman, at this time is a USPF. Don or Dan? What did I say? You said Don. Oh, like, gosh, there's so many. Dan? There, there's so many people and organizations involved in yeah. this. Like, this is we need like a We need a flow chart. Yes. Uh, Dan Wagman, mm-hmm. at this time, is a USPF executive committee member, and he sends a letter to John Moody, mm-hmm. VP of the European Powerlifting Federation. Mm-hmm. It's not 100% clear why. He's sending a letter to the VP of the EPF. Mm-hmm. Um, Wagman says he voted for unification. He said he doesn't support Robert Keller's comments regarding Graham Fong. Mm-hmm. He says that Keller and Jeffrey are operating alone in this supposed umbrella organization with NASA. Mm-hmm. He said the EC, Executive Committee is was not consulted. And he said he is, quote, disgusted with the USPF Overall. Interesting. Dan Those Wa- are strong words right there. Dan Wagman is going to become a, a key player in all of this. Yes. Um, Pete Alanis, Titan, um, he sends a letter, and he is he has no official position mm-hmm. within either organization at this point. Um, he's, quote, a volunteer to the USPF and accepted the job of keeping the EC appraised of the unification proposal. Interesting. So he says... Um, he was in favor of shutting down the USPF and joining the USAPL. He says three of the USPF executive committee members, Talton, Wagman, and Purdue, still support this plan. Um, and after this March 1st meeting uh, ended and the vote failed, he suggested the following for the USPF executive committee. Call a new meeting. Mm-hmm. A. So a meeting about the meeting. Right. B. Vote out descending members that dis- that dissented to this unification plan. Wow. And C. Vote for this new proposal. So he suggested basically calling an emergency meeting, voting out David Jeffrey, voting out 
Robert Keller and others that opposed it um, and said that the individuals that claimed they were in support of this, when he suggested it in front of everybody, all of a sudden, you know, we're not in favor of it anymore. But this was Pete Alanis, right. current owner of Titan Support Systems, and was at that time as well. Mm-hmm. Um, Bill Jack Talton, mm-hmm. um, who was at the time a USPF executive committee member, he also wrote a letter to John Moody. Who is John Moody? Why is he important? He's the VP of well, the, get that. Of, like, the, like, of the European Powerlifting Federation. I'm, I'm not, saying, like, who the fuck is he? I, I'm not sure. <laughs> um, it, he says that the USPF EC was aware of this unification plan. And he says after Haley, Don Haley, former USPF president, resigned and David Jeffrey took over, the vote was lost four to three. So it was a close vote. I'm not going to lie. This almost would have been one that we should have videoed for YouTube and done the flow chart on the <laughs> thing behind us. Right. Because like, there's, there's, there's a spider web. Like, oh. You've seen the meme of the guy like, looking crazy. He's got like all the news. Like, this is what this looks like. Yes. Um, and says he personally was not involved in any talks regarding NASA and this merger. Mm-hmm. Um, and in this same issue, the USAPL has also has their own response to the Robert Keller letter and says their only intentions are to push unification mm-hmm. and says, you know, they love Don Haley and wished he was still the USPF president because he is somebody who actually did work for unification and was upset at Robert Keller's disparaging remarks regarding him. Right. Okay, so let's go forward now to the September 1997 issue of Policy USA. This was probably the one that had the least... The the lightest on... on The lightest on content. Um, There was a letter from the USPF president, David Jeffrey, and he calls for a, quote, moratorium on, quote, negativity from the USPF EC. Because let's go back. The Mm -hmm. previous issue, Don Wagman, Bill Talton, both had letters... um, Robert Keller had a letter in the previous. I mean, the USPF EC, they're kind of all acting independently, sending letters to Powerlifting USA, sending letters to the European Powerlifting Federation, sending letters to the USAPL. I mean, and I'm sure there was more going on behind the scenes as oh, well. for sure. Um, it is interesting to note that this September 97 issue of Powerlifting USA had results from both the USPF and the USAPL Nationals of note. At the 1997 USAPL Nationals was one Mark Henry of the uh, WWE. Uh, yes. Possibly one of the greatest athletes of all time, honestly. One of the greatest strength athletes of all time, no doubt. Um, at that meet, he squatted 903. He benched 496. He deadlifted 848. Good for a 2248 total, first in the super heavyweights. And by the way, I think he lifted raw. I don't believe he had a squat. He might have had a squat suit on. He definitely didn't have a bench. Very maybe. So, let's go now to the October 1997 issue of Polish and USA. This, this, this is where uh, a lot more information starts to come out. Yeah, this is, there's a lot of bullet points. I would just rapid fire these because there's so much here. So, there was a letter from Jan Shendow, who I, I, I'm not familiar with. I believe Jan is a male, but I'm not 100% sure. Mm-hmm. At this time, he is the USPF secretary and treasurer, which is one position. Um, he was previously the USPF president from 1990 to 1992, but he was asked by Don Haley mm-hmm. to, quote, come out of political retirement. And he and Haley both won when they, they ran for office. Um, and he says he was with Don Haley in 1996 at the IPF Men's Worlds. Mm-hmm. And Haley had met with the ADFPA 
regarding unifications. And Haley said the talks were a success. At that time, Haley had proposed dissolution of the USPF due to the supposed USPF debt. Mm-hmm. Bear in mind, this is right after election from Shen Dao and Haley. Mm-hmm. Um, he said that the, quote, legal advisor of the USPF didn't convince him, him being Jan Sendow, mm-hmm. that dissolution was the only course of action. Again, he was buddies with Haley, mm-hmm. but he wasn't convinced. Um, and he did say the letter from Haley printed in Powerlifting USA, quote, contained gross inaccuracies. Interesting. And later, uh, Don Haley would say, well, the letter didn't really come from me. It was coordinated through me. And the letter apparently was signed by Jan Shendow, even though he said, I didn't come up with the letter and refused to sign it. What the fuck? Uh, and says the USPF executive committee members were mostly in agreement with the five-point plan laid out in the March 1st meeting. Mm-hmm. What they would not agree with was essentially this new organization's representation plan. That's kind of was the sticking mm-hmm. point for the USPF. Sure, we'll merge, we'll join organizations. Yep. But again, as you said, we want equal representation. Right. Um, but after they disagreed, they said, you've got until midnight tonight, midnight, March 1st, to dissolve, or we're moving forward. Yeah. Um, Go fuck yourself. And and basically, he says the USAPL's proposal was really more of a hostile takeover than a merger, which yeah. I, I have to say I agree with. Um, I, I, there's no, in my view, there's no other way to look at it. And he says basically what the USPF said at that time was that, uh, you know, Send us this proposal in writing mm-hmm. and maybe send us a new proposal based on what we've talked about. Right. He says when they did get a formal written proposal on May 24th, it was basically the same offer and thus was once again rejected. Rejected. Yeah. He lays out a number of facts. Fact one, the USPF is not debt free. Mm-hmm. Fact two, the USPF is open to unification, hence the, talk with Na- the talks with NASA. Fact three, there are good people in each organization, but, quote, the new organization needs to have representation from both. Fact four, the USPF is the IPF US affiliate. Mm-hmm. True. Fact five, the USPF has never uh, closed their doors to other organization members. Fact mm-hmm. six, unification will only progress if we return to a cooperative environment. Fact seven, the USPF executive committee voted to empower Sam Pardue to be the contact person with Mike Overdeer. I'm assuming Sam Pardue is their lawyer mm-hmm. and Mike Overdeer, USPL, USAPL president, and restated their commitment to unification. Okay. Dan Wagman, USPF mm-hmm. EC member, sends a letter to Jan Shendow mm-hmm. requesting, quote, internal grievance procedures against then USPF president David Jeffrey. Mm-hmm. He lays out 11 points violating bylaws yeah. by David Jeffrey. Says, first, the March 1st meeting did not have full quorum because the EC members not in attendance were not allowed to conference call in. Hmm. It sounds like there are seven or eight executive committee members and there was apparently four or five at the meeting and the other members were going to call in with a conference call. But then when it came time to do that, they said, well, you don't really need to call in. They were apparently sitting there waiting by their phone. The members that were there voted down the proposal. Wow. 
This is Wagman's claim. The May 24th meeting did not follow Robert's rules of order. Not mine. Parliamentary procedure. <laughs> um, these are his 11 points of uh, bylaw mm-hmm. you know, violation by USPF president. Three, says Jeffrey would not show proof slash records of the supposedly 5,000 members that they currently had. Um, four, says the new executive committee, David Kyle, was not added by the National Committee, but rather was just appointed by David Jeffrey, which he says is illegal. Mm-hmm. Um, he says the March 1st ADFP proposal was really, never never really discussed in detail when presented. It was just voted down. Um, six, Jeffrey assigned the Sports Medicine Committee member, Dr. Richard Herrick, to suspend members and says that should be Jeffrey's duty? Mm-hmm. Odd. Fuck? Odd, uh, but that's his claim, uh, Wagman's claim. Mm-hmm. Seven, Jeffrey has brought the USPF to the brink of expulsion from the IPF. Fact check true. Point eight, sending a letter to the IPF was an unapproved action, the letter being the threat of legal action. Right. Point nine, the letter by Robert Keller attacking Don Haley violated the IPF constitution, basically attacking fellow, you know, IPF officials. Right. Point 10, the uh, July 27th conference call with the uh, APF, or it's not APF, USPF executive committee members. (laughs) So many letters. Said that basically if you could not speak positively about the organization, you needed to resign. Says that violated the bylaws. And his final point is that in 1996, the USPF voted to adopt all IPF technical rules and that they were not following them, including not appointing a new technical chairman. Interesting. Suggest a hearing for, quote, suspension and expulsion of USPF President David Jeffrey. Mm-hmm. There is an open letter in this same issue from WDFPF President Andrew Caminos. Caminos, something like that. Uh, yeah. And he's, he puts over the WDFPF as an alternative to the IPF. And says they actually focus on being drug-free, including doing out-of-meat testing. And basically said he's mad at the ADFPA and says that they will have to share role positions with the AAU. Um, Essentially, There's so much right there. Yeah. There's a lot there. Um, And let's move forward. But but wait, there's more. But wait, there's more. (laughs) In the November 1997 issue of Powerlifting USA, there was a response letter from David Jeffrey to Wagman's letter. Mm Mm-hmm. He says, first, he didn't violate any bylaws. He says, and if he did, why didn't Wagman bring it up in the meeting? Because he wasn't one of the guys allowed there, maybe? He was there. He was there. Joking. Yeah. Um, (laughs) He says that at that time, they gave free membership to high school members, thus why it was hard for him to immediately have membership numbers. Eh, I don't know about that. A little suspect there. A little suspect. Even if you give it for free, you think you'd have a record of it? Yep. Um, You know, why wouldn't you have a member, like a member list? Yeah. Um, he says he did communicate with Overdeer, but nothing came of it, and says the claim regarding John Inzer and Inzer Advanced Design is, quote, unsubstantiated. Didn't he, say it's a lie. He didn't say it's a lie. He just said it's unsubstantiated. Yeah. So you, you can't, it's like what my kids say, well, you can't prove I did it. Well, I, that uh, basically tells it for me. Right. Um, at this time, he puts over other organizations like the IPF, like NASA, and like AAU, and puts down the ADFPA slash USAPL. Mm-hmm. And says, the USPF is doing great and has a great executive committee, except for Dan Wagman. (laughs) (laughs) Except for you, asshole. (laughs) Um, There is also a letter from David Jeffrey directly to Mike Overdeer, 
current USAPL president. Where he so, so this is like people trading posts on Instagram. They're just doing it in a magazine. That's exactly right. Um, he proposes the following. He says, both Jeffrey and Overdeer resign. Current USA, USAPL and current USPF presidents mm-hmm. said five executive committees from each organization should form a new executive committee okay. with a new organization. And it includes current uh, secretary of the USAPL, Andrea Sortwell, to become the new secretary, and current secretary of the USPF, Jan Sandow, to become the new president of this new proposed organization. The Umbrella Corporation. Right. The new executive committee members would select 25 state chairmen from each organization. And if there are good people in in a state, like let's say Illinois, there's two good people, Mm -hmm. they could be co-chairmen and work together. Mm -hmm. Asked that each organization national meet directors, which had already, the bids had already been accepted, work together to either run the meet together or, you know, trade off for future years. Yeah. Um, Because, uh, again, these national meet bids had already been decided on from previous years. Mm -hmm. Um, Hold new election in 1998 or 1999 for all executive uh, committee members. Essentially keep it the same until then but hold new elections in the next year. And this mm-hmm. is, again, this is in November 97, and says that Jeffrey and Overdeer could remain as ex officio members, essentially non-voting members, mm-hmm. to help the process along. And says, basically, the ball's in your court, Mike Overdeer, if you'd like to see a true uh, unification. Mm-hmm. And I, I can't say, actually, Jeffrey's proposal is totally out of sorts. I, like, I think it's a, it's not ideal for everyone, but I think it's probably a decent compromise given the, fuckery it's been going on prior to that he knew it wasn't going to be accepted though i can almost guarantee uh, that. pretty much yeah like he's i think this is like hey i tried there's a letter from a uspf member calling for dan wagman to resign mm-hmm. um there's a letter from yet another uspf executive committee member david kyle who is also the technical chairman and let's go back one of dan wagman's accusations was mm-hmm. that the USPF was not following IPF technical rules, including having not appointed a new technical chairman. Uh, David Kyle says, well, I was appointed the technical chairman, and thus we are following the rules at that point. Sure, 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 because uh, I'm here. I'm, we're following. He says Wagman's letter was totally out of line and says he will only vote for unification if the ADFPA ceases to oh exist. Dr. Larry Miller has a response to the WDFPF president. Um, he says the AD, and basically the WDF at this point, DF, they're pissed off because the ADFPA is they're moving towards separating yeah. themselves. Right. And, and at this point, they are by far the biggest organization within the WDFPF. Mm-hmm. In fact, it came out that out of their $30 membership, the ADFPA had to pay 50 cents of that to the WDFPF, not just a yearly fee, like is the case in most international organizations. Mm-hmm. They had to pay uh, what he says, you know, was, you know, an extra couple thousand dollars every year. Interesting. Um, he says uh, maybe the WDFPF president should focus on his own issues because, by the way, 
WDF member country Poland apparently owed $1,800 to a drug testing lab, which they had written off as uncollectible. Did they get a discount on that one? Should they talk to the USAPL now? (laughs) And he says the recent teen junior master nationals in Canada were terrible. Um, It was a poorly run meet. The meet ran from 9 a.m. to 11 p.m. and said he should focus on his own organization and stop worrying about the ADFPA. So, everybody take a breath, and let's go into December. December 1997. Merry Christmas. We're in the home stretch right now. Yeah. Um, there is a... By, by the way, the meme is up. What meme? Already made it while we're doing the episode. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> wow. Um, response from Dan Wagman. Um, it appears between the, these issues that the USPF had voted to remove... Dan Wagman from the executive committee. All right. He reasserts that b- various bylaws were, were violated, mm-hmm. says he was never able to present his evidence and have a, a formal hearing, and says that removing him from office was illegal and he will seek his legal options. Man, what a great hobby. Uh, this That would never happen. <laughs> I know. It's, this is ridiculous. There was a response from Mike Overdeer to J- David Jeffrey's proposal. He says... Unification cannot move forward as A, there is a threat of legal action by the USPF, Mm -hmm. B, charges laid out in the US, there are charges laid out against the IPF, against the USPF by Dan Wagman that Mm -hmm. at least Mike Overdeer sees as credible, and C, a possible merger with a for profit organization like NASA precludes uh, David Jeffrey's offer. Yeah, this and, next one is hilarious. And he quotes apparently the minutes directly from the USPF uh, national governing body where David Jeffrey says he'll, quote, kick his ass regarding to Graham Fong. <laughs> Again, I can't find these minutes because I know the USPF does not have their old minutes up there. That's just. But apparently um, David Jeffrey went on a rant in this meeting about Graham Fong and about the unification process, including says he'll, quote, kick his ass. And they declined the offer. Yes, and Mike Overdeer declines the offer by David Jeffrey. So, I'm going to take a breath. 97 is a crazy year. And finally, we get to January of 1998. So, we're back to our Plusa throwback issue. Throwback, throwback, throwback. Um, January 1998, we're finally here. Yep. Um, and, and again, this, this happened in November, but this is when it is being going to press. Mm-hmm. Um, this is an article by Mike Lambert, uh, editor-in-chief. The IPF Congress, which is, you know, they're... they're annual meeting. Mm-hmm. Um, Canada, England, and Denmark, all three motioned to remove the USPF and add the USAPL as a member. Mm-hmm. Um, England and Denmark withdrew their motions and seconded the motion of Canada. Mike Armstrong of Canada provided evidence that David Jeffrey, mm-hmm. current USPF president, pleaded guilty in 1998 to quote... nineteen eighty eight. What did I say? 98. Oh, yeah. We're in January 98, so this yeah. is 10 years prior. Yeah. 1988, mm-hmm. that he pleaded guilty to, quote, aiding and abetting receipt of merchandise imported contrary to law. Mm-hmm. David Jeffrey claimed it was B12 vitamins. Um, other evidence, including other people who had been convicted related to these same charges, that it was actually anabolic steroids. This, in my view, just the accusation... With all the crap going on, this killed the USPS chance at that point. Uh, uh, The fix was in because 
David Jeffrey at that point offered to, and he did resign, mm-hmm. uh, although he would come back later, mm-hmm. um, well beyond this timeline. Um, David Jeffrey offered to resign if the Congress would continue to support the USPF. Um, also, there were comments given by Lamar Gant, great powerlifter. Mm-hmm. He said he would return to powerlifting if the, if the USAPL was accepted. Wade Hooper said he was disgusted with the USPF. Mm-hmm. Um, there were some comments from Rich Peters. Not sure what those were. Didn't go into it. And again, I couldn't get the, uh, the minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, Graham Fong uh, did provide direct evidence of David Jeffrey having been uh, pleading guilty. Mm-hmm. And I, I think he pled guilty and was convicted of, I think, eight counts. Mm-hmm. And I didn't get the court records on that, but it was supported in multiple spots. Th- um, there was court documentation that he pled, that he copped a plea and therefore was found guilty. Correct. Um, obviously, I don't know that he did any jail time. That was something we could probably look into. But it, 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 it was accepted as fact and didn't seem necessary to look into it yep. two more. Um, Graham Fong... IPF president said that this this was an action which required a two thirds uh, favor mm-hmm. in order to succeed, and it did receive that with a twenty four to eight vote. Right. So essentially, even if the USAPL or even if the USPF had been voted down with a lesser margin, mm-hmm. they still would have remained the US affiliate. Correct. Um, after that vote, then the IPF Congress held a separate vote in which they unanimously voted in the USAPL as new IPF members. Mm-hmm. And apparently there were some USAPL members who they had already you know, been told this was going to happen. Right. And we did find a picture from that time frame. Let me see if I can grab it, Mr. Bain. Mm-hmm. Um, here was a picture taken. This was posted in, in Power of the USA. Um, the USAPL had representation from, uh, it includes Bettina Eltzer, John Matu, Mr. Alanis, I'm assuming is Pete Alanis's dad, mm-hmm. Angie Overdeer, uh, Mike Overdeer's wife, Mike Overdeer, USAPL president, Pete Alanis of Titan, Andrea Sortwell, US, USAPL secretary, Dan Wagman, mm-hmm. former USPF executive <laughs> committee member, and Mike Hartle, whom I'm not familiar with. Interesting group of people there. Very much is. Um, and there was a response from the USPF in which it does state that David Jeffrey stepped down as president. Jan Sendow, Shendow became acting president. Um, Shendow, at a apparently emergency meeting, presented a motion to dissolve the organization, which was voted down. Mm-hmm. Um, he said that they did review Dan Wagman's evidence, and it did not warrant a hearing, and said afterward Dan Wagman himself had just formally resigned, even though apparently had already voted him out. Right. Um, this was inter- can't, can't fire me. I quit. <laughs> exactly. Uh, this was interesting because the rest of the information we found. Um, this was from like an email list, and yeah, it, that was wild. It's hard to describe, but like before, like social media and message boards, like there were like email lists, and like mm-hmm. it's almost kind of like, uh, like it's a, a, it's a group email. It's yeah, like text. a reply all kind yeah. of thing. Um, yeah, don't, group. Don't, by the way, it worked. Don't reply all. Yeah, it, similar to uh, like you said, like group text now. Mm-hmm. Um, but obviously more long form with email. Right. Um, so there was an email from Mike Armstrong from Canada to this group of IPF, USAPL supported. Mm-hmm. Says the IPF did vote to expel the USPF and voted in the USAPL. Apparently at this same meeting, Ed Cohn's appeal um, of his third failed drug test was rejected. 
Yeah, so I, I read that with a lot of interest because it really it explained his defense was more around the collection and the chain of custody versus the actual findings of the test. That's how they were trying to, you know, defend it. And so I, I found that interesting. It's like, yeah, you guys found a lot of weird shit, but I didn't you didn't handle it right, so it shouldn't shouldn't count. Well, and and there's an there's an interview online where Ed Cohn talks about this. I believe we've touched on this in mm-hmm. a previous previous Plusa throwback. But Ed Cohn at least described how, like, basically some dude mm-hmm. who, by the way, was like a coach of his competition, mm-hmm. like, just gave him a cup and was never sealed and was open. Yep. If you've ever done any drug testing or been involved, there's a certain there's a chain of chain of custody and way of doing it. He claimed it was not followed. Right. Um, but nonetheless, he was uh, his appeal was rejected and he was banned for life from yep. the IPF. Yep. There was an email from Dan Wagman. Oh, hey, again, Dan. Former USPF executive committee member and apparently now new at least supporter mm-hmm. of the USAPL um, says, yes, Ed Cohen is done for life. Um, and said his lawyer pointed out some, quote, little technical errors, but no evidence was presented that the sample was tampered with mm-hmm. or that Ed was, quote, clean. Right. Um, says that Mike Armstrong detailed, quote, longstanding problems the IPF has had with the USPF. Mm-hmm. Um, said evidence was presented that David Jeffrey pled guilty to eight felony charges from steroid trafficking. Yikes. Says that, and which... That type of charge would be something that the IPF's bylaws, rules, mm-hmm. would preclude someone from being in a position of power sure. based on what they were trying to do, mm-hmm. right or wrong. Um, Wagman said the USPF was essentially, and this said this in the IPF Congress meeting. He mm-hmm. said he was basically given five minutes, and it sounds like from reading Dan Wagman's letters that he probably could take way more than five minutes. Yeah. Again, let's go back. He had an 11-point bylaw violation. Yeah, dissertation. Dissertation. Um, Wagman said in his uh, original five minutes that the USPF was a lawless organization and was violating their own bylaws. Mm -hmm. He later found that he could just raise his hand and be given five more minutes every time. He's kept doing it. And thus raise his hand three more times. Yeah. This is is another of interest. Robert Keller, Mm -hmm. who was USPF executive committee member at the time, apparently got very upset raising his voice, and got kicked out of the meeting. Mm-hmm. Um, then, this, this next point's hysterical. Yeah. He then claims, again, claimed, rumor and innuendo, that David Jeffrey and a USPF executive committee left and didn't pay their hotel bill. Well, I mean, how do you, you when you check in, now granted it may be different back then, but you check in and you either your card is put down or like or you pay. This is what Wagman claims and says that, you know, it was, under, different Europe. It was under the IPF block and they would probably then charge the USPF after sure. the fact. That's funny. So the end result is that the USAPL comes becomes the new IPF US affiliate and founding member, the USPF, is kicked out. Mm-hmm. Whoo, Mr. Bain. That is a lot of shit. I, I mean, I spent hours reading Powerlifting USA's. Yeah. <laughs> and so let me let me sum everything up, at mm-hmm. least my view of it. Yep. Um Bear in my, mind, my, my view is going to be a lot faster than this. Yeah. Bear in mind, there was no social media. There was not the same type of internet presence around this era. And essentially, we are able to see this drama play out back and forth in Powerlifting USA versus like right now what's going on with the IPF and USAPL. We're watching in real time. We're watching people make comments in real time mm-hmm. on social media. Yep. 
Um, it essentially was like uh, you send a letter of power to say, and then I read that, and then I send a letter. And then but, but I have a response to your letter, and then you have a response to my letter. But what's interesting is in this case, these are people that, that matter. Right. These are the, not just dudes the, on the internet. The vast majority of these are you know scumbags with 400-pound totals, and they – they have no idea what the fuck's actually going on. I mean, on. this is the IPF president sending in letters to yes. Powerlifting USA. This is the USPF president. This yes. is the USAPL very, president. Very professional class. This is, well, yeah. These are executive committee members. Mm-hmm. Um, Graham Fong, IPF president from New Zealand, seemingly was always a big supporter of the USAPL. Mm-hmm. And he supposedly was a big advocate for cleaning up drug testing for the Olympics. Yep. And it, it does seem like... And again, I, I think we both made clear that the, quote, unification was a farce. Yeah, it was bullshit. And it basically was like... You, you know what you it was? That's fake news. Right. I, I would say that, yeah. I mean, basically, the USAPL's offer was, USPF, you go away, and all of your members can run for election. Your state chairman can run for election. Yep. But we're just going to run an organization, and you guys should all join. Yeah, so you, we get all you, the best lifters. Correct. You guys come in, you get no voice, and don't... Don't yeah, don't argue with us either. Right, uh, but I will say, I mean, we've seen in our Palusa throwbacks, we've seen in our, we saw in our our history of drug testing, mm-hmm. uh, the USPF had kind of played hokey pokey with the drug testing since it began. The, they had been playing a little bit of Russian roulette with that. And to be fair, the claim from others through the years is that that's what most IPF organizations actually do. Mm-hmm. And the USPF was just playing the game like Russia does, like right. the Ukraine does, like every other Eastern European country that has successful powerlifters. But if purportedly Graham Fong was trying to clean up for the Olympics and drug testing and so on, sure, I, I get it. Um, I do believe, this is just my presupposition, if Don Haley had remained USPF president, I think it was I think it's possible there may have been some type of merger or unification. Mm-hmm. Um, there was obviously way more going on behind the scenes with ADFPA oh, yeah. and USAPL officials. They obviously were talking to other people like Mike Armstrong in Canada. They, they were politicking so hard everywhere behind closed doors. Undoubtedly. Um, the fix was in for the USPF. Yep. Um, when when Graham Fong came to the Congress with court documents related to USPF President David Jeffrey, Dude, how, like and David Jeffrey, how the fuck do you not know that? Like, how do you not know that they're coming with that? Come on now. I get it. This is the late '90s, but um, oh well, my god! And who knows? We don't know. Maybe David Jeffrey was just importing B12 vitamins. I think yeah. it's unlikely, but I don't know. Um, or, or or was it like, oh hey, I'm gonna steal somebody's name, and oh, just so happens this other David Jeffrey like was a convicted drug runner. Right. Sure, 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 sure. Um, I, I have to say, if I was part of the USPF, I wouldn't have accepted these unification terms either. No, fuck that. Um, but that being said, David Jeffrey's leadership through all of this was questionable. Mm-hmm. I'd say him becoming president with a history of drug trafficking charges probably was not the best and choice. Especially ones that are performance enhancers, which are exactly what you test for in your fucking organization. It, it, and it's easy. Hindsight is twenty twenty. It's honestly... It's 2021, sir. Right. It's hard to see what the fuck the USPF's executive committee was thinking. Like, did they think they were untouchable? Did they think that they would never get voted out? Honestly, that, so in reading a lot of stuff, that is kind of my feeling. It's like, we're founding members. They can't kick us out. And it's obviously they didn't play the politics because no. did David Jeffrey think attacking the IPF president was a good idea? No. Was that a good political move? Like, like I'm saying no, it's not a good idea. Like, it, uh, again, 
what in your right mind makes you think that that's smart? I, I just when, don't when know. When this guy is, like, you can tell he's gunning for you. Right. It seemed like maybe I'd talk about it behind his back. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It just, I, I, it, it's hard to understand what was going on in the mind of, yep. of Robert Keller and David Jeffrey at this time. Mm-hmm. There's an interesting connection between all of this with Pete Alanis and John Inzer. Yep. Owner of Titan, owner of Inzer, Advanced yep. Design. There was a lot of flack in a lot of these documents put on the previous USPF administration. Mm-hmm. By the way, who was the previous administration led by? Peter Thorne, uh-huh. USPF president, who I'm not sure if he was working for Inzer at that time, but he would go on to work for Inzer and would be instrumental in a lot of things that Inzer would do on an international level. We mm-hmm. talked about him in our our Franz Inzer IPF connection. Yes. Um, John Inzer himself was secretary treasurer and supposedly didn't turn over financial documents, supposedly put the USPF in up to 20K in debt. 30 or 40 in some people's eyes. I, it's, 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 I just, I don't know. It's not that I don't believe it. It's just, it's very like debt for what? Right. What are you like? What are you buying? Yeah. Like I just, like it's a non-for-profit organization granted. And like, sure. They're like, are they, you know, Paying for hotel rooms and travel through the USPF, you know, Can't be, it's kitty. Not, it ain't that much, though. I, I don't know. Um, Pete Alanis was a volunteer in, quote, advising the USPF on these unification plans. So he wasn't mm-hmm. an executive member of either organization. Um, the thought process that I've consultants. The thought process that I've heard, rumored innuendo, mm-hmm. not confirmed, and this is not me saying anything negative about either company, but the thought process was that Pete Alanis and Titan favored the USAPL. Mm-hmm. They've had a strong relationship with the USAPL for many years, I can tell you that. Yes. And that John Enzer, obviously having been a part of that organization, favored the USPF. Right. And we know that John Enzer would go on to have a fairly professional relationship with both, mm-hmm. but especially, as well as the IPF. Right, but especially the IPF. Yes. Um, go back and listen to our our episode on uh, the Franz, Franz Inzer, Inzer and the Franzers IPF. Right. In which somehow Ernie Franz gives his lawsuit that he holds against the IPF to John Inzer mm-hmm. in exchange for kind of getting rid of Inzer's lawsuit against Franz. It, it, there's a whole interweaving there. That's- Re- listen to those two episodes to, and I would make judgments for yourself on what really happened. Basically, those two lawsuits got swapped. They went away. IPF comes back in the U.S. is essentially what 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 the outward result of that is. And Inter Advanced Designs equipment is fully approved in the IPF. Yes, yes. Obviously, paying the fees every year. The connection is very interesting. What what happened between all that? And of course, I mean, it's like Pepsi Coke. It's mm-hmm. like Pizza Hut Domino's. Yep. There, there's of course a at least professional rivalry between John Enzer and Pete Alanis. There's right. no doubt about it. You, you have to have that. You make, right. the same, you make similar equipment. And they the both live athletes. in Texas. Right. right. Yeah. They both were lifting around the same time. Mm-hmm. Robert Keller's involvement is at least interesting to say the very, very least. Uh, minimum. He was one of the most vocal opponents of this unification. Mm-hmm. He was literally kicked out of the IPF Forci- Congress. Forcibly removed. He went on. And I can tell you this from having been around powerlifting, he has gone on to be a huge meet director. Like has huge. Like directed national meets, huge meets in Florida, 
Um, for He's been on to be a huge meet director for the USAPL and also involved in the North American Powerlifting Federation, mm-hmm. which is like the regional organization of the IPF for right. North America. He is currently the IPF General Secretary and USAPL Florida State Chair. He, by the way, voted for these recent controversial IPF uh, bylaw changes. Current USAPL President Larry Maley voted against them. Very interesting. So that's at least interesting. I don't know. Don't know what that means. I don't know what all that means, but it's at least interesting. Yep. Let's look back. Now that we have the advantage of looking back at this literally 25 years later almost, um, Graham Fong's five-year plan certainly did not result in IOC recognition. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm not sure exactly when they started being part of the World Games, which is basically an off-year Olympics and is at least IOC, quote, recognized. Right. Um, it might have happened. Which seems kind of like a big fuck you from the IOC. Like, you're never, you, you never get to play on the big stage, but you can go play over there. Right. Sit some, at a little kid's table. Some people have said it's like a breeding ground for new Olympic sports, uh, but yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. But that's been that. going on for a very long time. Mm-hmm. Um, after, using, after losing IPF affiliation, the USPF essentially faded. Mm-hmm. Um, when I got into the sport in the mid early 2000s, they were basically the non-tested single-ply alternative. In, in the beginning of the parallel team. Right, yeah. Um, when they were running the Mountaineer Cup, they were still very relevant. Mm-hmm. When Steve Dennison was running meets for them, it was also, they were still fairly relevant, but when Steve Dennison left to form the USPA, they essentially have faded into obscurity, and yeah. even even less so in recent years. Right. Um, the USAPL, on the other hand, continued to grow and likely has become the largest U.S. powerlifting organization. It's, I, I would say, the U- largest in the U.S. and possibly the largest individual organization in the world. And it's interesting to see what they'll do with the current mm-hmm. drama between them and the IPF. Um, it, it's interesting looking back at them politically maneuvering themselves to become the U.S. affiliate. Yep. Um, and Olympic recognition does not seem likely right now. I mean, who knows? Yeah, it, but it doesn't seem like something that's particularly – I've never seen in the last 20 years in my involvement in powerlifting, I've never heard anything to suggest that it's any closer than it was 20 years yeah, ago. Yeah, not, not like these pushes here. Here's our five-year plan. Here's our, our pathway. Like, nothing like this. Sure, they're always aiming towards it, but yeah. it doesn't seem like there's been anything new on that. Th- this seems like a concentrated effort during this time. That, Definitely. And obviously did not transpire. Bane, final thoughts. <sighs> The irony is not lost on me, given what's going on currently with the USAPL and the IPF. Uh, you know, I do feel that the USAPL has has done many, many good things for powerlifting. I, I will give them credit for growing their organization, yeah. for their org, for their just general organization, for their yeah. ability to run meets. I mean, gosh, they run meets that I, as I would say, an experienced meet director. I can barely imagine running a five, four or five platform yeah. meet. Give them credit for that. And, and you know what? Great lifters go there. They attract good talent. I, I, all those things are positive. I look at all this and, and I just, I find it super interesting that, you know, they wanted to be a part of this so bad. And the idea was it because of, you know, they wanted to get to the Olympics. That was, that was always the goal of those who founded this organization. And now, well, no, that wasn't the goal of those who founded the organization. That was the goal of these of, of, who, of, who brought it into the IPF. Right. These those are the goals of the people in the mid '90s. I don't believe Brother Bennett, who started the ADFPA. No, I don't believe. No, I don't believe he had the goal of Olympic recognition. So, so yeah, let me rephrase that. Those who pushed this, 
you know, one, the the possible hostile takeover, and then two, this affiliation with the IPF. They really wanted this Definitely. connection to the Olympics. And it hasn't happened. And at what point do you say, hey, IPF, what the fuck? We were all supposed to, like, we were supposed to take over the world together and go to the Olympics, and all the best athletes would be, like, and there wouldn't be this division of powerlifting. It just wouldn't be there. It's like, hey, you have one path to the Olympics. If you want to go there, it's this way. Yeah. And, then, and then if you want to take drugs, you go this way to the WPL. No problem. Sure. I, I just, here, I, I think. Because, because they're untested. Like, uh, there's fundamental problems, and maybe the IOC has just been feeding the IPF bullshit for 25 years. I fully believe that. But I'm just not sure the, that the IOC even wants another barbell sport. I, which I, I don't believe they do either. I, I just don't know we, what they do. We can't cough up enough money to bribe them right now. And, and, as well, that's that's another story, and that's probably another part of it. But, like, even then, like, US, USA weightlifting and uh, weightlifting isn't necessarily even seen as a super popular Olympic sport. There was, nope. there was talk of them getting kicked out of the Olympics was. for doping violations. Yep. And I think... I mean, rightly, they, they, right, were, they were wrestling at one point. So. Rightly or wrongly, uh, unfortunately, strength sports have a reputation with drug use. Yeah. Not totally unwarranted, but I would say track and field probably has at least an equal reputation in in in, I would, tr- I in would, truth. I would say you would find more drug usage in track and field because there's more money in it. S- supposedly, from what I've heard, the track and field athletes were the ones that gave it, started giving it to the weightlifters and powerlifters. Wouldn't surprise me. That's what I've been told for many years. So, so my final thoughts are: I, I, I like what the USAPL and their affiliation with the IPF has done for the sport overall. I do think that the next few months, you know, basically same kind of time frame in uh, 2021, could be very interesting to watch. Yeah, yeah, uh, you know, it, it's interesting looking back at this political situation again, given what's going on now. It's obviously a completely different organization now than it was then. Com- mm-hmm. Completely different. You know, people in there, I think the direction is a little different. I think they are probably trying to be more of an inclusive organization with things like you said, the the MX division and yeah. the youth division and, and the, Raw and the, with Raps. The, the Paralympic division or not or the um, adaptive athlete. Sure. I, I think a lot of those things indicate that the USAPL mm-hmm. is more of an organization that's being market-driven versus an organization – at this time, that's really the goal was the Olympics, Olympics, Olympics. Right. I think if the Olympics were there, the USAPL would be happy to be a part of that. Correct. If they could figure out their situation in the IPF, but I don't know that that's as much their direction. Yeah. So I'll, I'll be interested to watch over the next few months, but uh, I think th- this is fun. And again, feel free to jump on my story. I reposted the Strength and Anger story, but uh, did the meme with the with the crazy guy and the. It's honestly <laughs> looking, the USAPL looking back at a lot of this stuff. It's honestly almost unbelievable, and I'm I'm kind of happy I wrote out all my notes on this to keep because the interconnections and what kind of went on mm-hmm. is I've honestly all- like, if you put this as a separate document outside of our Google drive, this might actually be a decent link to put in the link tree for people to look through. Sure. It, it's, it's a, it's a fascinating, you know, just look into the, the true politics. I've always yep. kind of wanted to know this story because yep. I'd heard that it was drug testing and I heard it was X. I heard it was Y it's a lot of different things. It was you, A, B, C, X, Y, Z, baby. It was all of it. I think at the tippy top of it was politics, though. Yep. Well, that's it, Mr. Bain. I think that's about all I've got. That's man. Um, no, empty the tank on that one. We'll probably be off next week, then seeing as we are uh, traveling yep. to Tennessee. But uh, we'll, we will finally work on some interviews when things start settling down. I've been given a very interesting topic by one of our listeners. I'll present it to you after this, and uh, we'll see if we're going to go with that. Yeah, I've got, a, I've got another suggestion as well. Awesome. Um, 
So with that, I'd say this is Eric Stone signing out. Strength and anger.